It's the Ben's Punani woman's baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Every sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sipping here. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something, you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. Baby, think twice. For the sake of our love, for the economy, there's no reason why it should be two pounds fifty. Babe, I know it ain't easy when you voted and gained Tory ground. And while they're all the way up, now you're all the way down. Baby, this is serious. They're not thinking about you or us. Tories again. Woo! Think twice before you tick that line. Or you draw that line. Be sure before you vote like scum. Before you vote and ruin our lives. Baby, think twice. Yo, off the top. Off the top, off the top, because I was actually just going to sing her song normally. Baby, think twice for the sake of love, for the memories. Sorry, Selena, I had to do it. I had to do it. You know, I love you. I love you. The patron saint of Jamaica, you nuts. The patron saint of Lagos, Celine Dion. Two slaps on your chest all day, every day. Um... <laughs> They're gonna sue me, they're gonna sue me, they're gonna sue me So we're back, we're back again for another week Thank you for joining me again, if you're new, welcome, welcome (laughs) It's downhill from here baby No, no, honestly welcome, it's actually uphill from here We're gonna do all of the wonderful things It is me, Kelechi And the absolute most amazing place to be You are listening to SYM Officially known as Say Your Mind Unofficially known as What What That's right, suck your mum And we're in it, we're in it And we are going to win it What have I done in the last week? Let me just give you Because last week I really, really talked Well, I can't even talk too much this week Because I've got two interviews To fit into this episode And they're getting more crisp, you know Like crisps, they're getting more crisp, right? Um, so I feel like you should love them as much as I do And I can't wait for us to get into it So this week I went well, I went to tap dancing class Because you know I missed last week Well the week before when I went to go and see Beyonce <laughs> And I can see you girlies enjoying as well I'm really really happy for you And then after that Let me just say I want you to mark this down Because we're going to come back to this in a few months 
He has done it for me. He has done it for me. What my mother cannot do, he has done it for. What my father cannot do, he has done it for me. Although I don't refer to God as a he. Try not to anyway. Um, But this week has been, as the French would say, a banger. A banger. Yeah, the, this even that song that I delivered was a banger. Nah, Kalechi, you're losing it. You're losing it. You're losing it. That song was a banger. I didn't even give myself a moment because whew, when I say, what have I got? That's right. Rangé. Rangé. Where the Champs-Élysées or whatever they call it, they need to replace that with a picture of me, a statue of me, because I am the embodiment of Rangé. Yeah. Anyway, um, enough of guessing myself up. Um, this week has been brilliant I can't wait to get into the things It's very cute It's not like It's just very cute That's all I say It's very, very cute And big up all of you lot But, you know, that do your things In your industries And that you bring me in um, And you let me show my talent Because Fuck with me, you know I got it You know um, So, yeah Anyway, we'll come back to this. I'll tell you to wheel this back and you will need to wheel it back because you know I don't remember the titles or I don't remember the episodes where I say so many things. That's why I really, really admire Audrey. Audrey, uh, one of the reasons I really admire Audrey from the receipts because Audrey, if there's a co- if there's a conversation that they've had on the receipts podcast, Audrey remembers which episode it was. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Audrey can tell you the minute and the seconds that the, that the, that, that the comment was made. I don't remember anything. A lot of things I say on this podcast, I do not remember. So it's when you lot start quoting me, I'm like, that is such a great quote. Who said that? Oh, me. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah. So you'll need to wheel this up for me. But we are moving. Baby girls, baby boys, baby non-binaries. It's time for our anthem. Just a baby girl in a baby world. Yeah, just a baby girl. We are just merely baby people. And I, you know, we're moving on up. Move on up. <clears throat> yeah, well. I'm just excited is all I'm going to say So tap dance, I had some other cute things happen Then I went to a dinner organised by the Open University The girlies are really doing things at the Open University For the fact that, you know, people can really go about learning in whichever I'm just really opening my crotch as I'm recording this The girlies can really go around learning um, Or go about learning the way that they want I was speaking to one of the people who... um, work at the open university and i said i i hold the open university in you know high esteem or in fond memories with fond memories because there was a show that i there was a film that i really enjoyed called becoming susan and she was like do you mean educating rita I was like, that is exactly what i meant not me just thinking i could switch out the names of white women um yeah, Educating Rita. I really enjoyed that film. I remember watching it when I was, was I in Liverpool? Was that during secondary school? Anyway, the film was really, really great. Um, If you haven't watched Educating Rita, if you've got a chance and you just want to watch something um, um old, I'd say watch that. It's I, I love, I love her journey. So I've always thought of the Open University in a great way, but they were saying at the dinner, they're basically out, um, besides... Oxbridge 
they, the Open University, um, cr- uh, produce the most people who go on to work in like really high fields, like within tech and law and this and that. So I just thought that that was really, really amazing. I thought it was really amazing. So it was lovely to be invited to the dinner. And yeah, I hope to see where that goes. That was just really cute. Um, and it was great to hear from one of the people, one of the um, people who are currently, who's currently a student there. Um, she's wonderful. Yeah. So it was great to hear from her. And in case you're into my eyebrows, obviously you're not, if you're listening to just the audio version of this, which I appreciate you for. It's so funny since making the video version of this, there are more people who listen to the audio that they saw that they're watching the visuals, but it's like, they're also, I love it. I love it for us. Anyway, my brows, can you see my brows? They look cute, right? All filled in. Um, Bianca did my eyebrows. Her tag is Bianca. B-I-A-N-C-A-X London. She doesn't know I'm going to do this and she's super shy and super lovely. So please be gentle with her because I know that some of you have really raw energy. Yeah, just take it easy. She's she's a she's a gentle babe, you know. You lot calm down. Baby, calm down. Calm down. Lockdown. Oh, lockdown. Oh, lockdown. Um, yeah, so Bianca, great job on the on the brows so I'll definitely be back I want Sabrina to do a thing but you know Sabrina's trying it Sabrina's trying it Sabrina nails by Zana that I go to to do my beautiful beautiful biab nails I initially asked her to do my brows and she was like no you should try Bianca because Bianca does mine and Bianca indeed is a babe so yeah big up yourself Bianca um had new headshots done I'm just giving you a roll down or roll out is it an up what do they call it um, a, a, a low down, low down, low down, low down, dirty. No, um, low down of my life recently because I feel like you'd be like, we don't know much about you. So I notice I'm telling you the things I've done, not who I am. Um, yeah, I had my headshots done by full underscore frame underscore atelier. That's A T E L I E R. Um, love them both. I just love them as people. I actually know them personally. Um, and I went to go and have my headshots done um, with them. And yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for you to see it. Can't wait for you to see it. I want one of the photos to be my author, The you know, in my book. Kalechi, where are your words? Where are your words? Inside the cover of my book, I want one of these images, basically. And I can't wait for you to see them because I proper love the 30s. Um, And then what else? Okay, so then I went to, um, you know, like um, Chishuru, the place that I love going to, the restaurant that I love love going to by Jockey Bakari. Um, It closed. It was in Brixton. It closed. Um, And then Jockey had a pop-up at 1AE Studio like by on the strand so I went to that and now she's got another pop-up uh in borough by but in, in like in borough market at the globe tavern it's a pub and she's upstairs when I tell you when I tell you the food did what the food needed to do the food gave what needed to be given and I took Lewis Harris Tench with me and you know like he likes to be shady with me all the time and also he doesn't want to get he was, he's trying to get me to get on a scooter And I don't want to get on one of those e-scooters So every time that I go out with him I wear inappropriate footwear So I can't be forced to get on the e-scooter <laughs> and, But I know one day he'll catch me Catch me unawares um, But 
The food, he's vegetarian and he said that the, the food spoke to him. Like, the, the, don't get me wrong, you lot don't have a lot of things to choose from. But but what I love about Jockey is that she um, kind of vegetarianized. She could vegetarianize some of the things that weren't vegetarian, like within reason, like be fucking for real. Okay. Um, but some of the things could be veg- uh, vegetarianized and... Um, it was beautiful. I obviously, you know me, like I'm a bla- I'm a baby girl, soon to start her plant based journey. I don't want to hear a fucking word. Don't you say a fucking word, okay? I will start when I'm ready. But anyway, um, the food was phenomenal. I won't tell you what I had because I know that the vegetarians and vegans will lose it when I say the things that I ate. But it was beautiful. I'm just glad that she also brought back the goat ayamashe because that is my, ha- I've talked about it too many times. That is my, hands down, my favorite. And if you don't know, they were running a crowdfund. I think the crowdfund might be closed now because um, she's going to be opening an actual, her um, another restaurant this, um, and it's going to be in Bel- uh, Belgravia. So the Globe Tavern, she's there, from now till early July, I believe I could be wrong, but I think till early July. If you can get down, if you can book a table, book a table because the food is incredible. I love Jockey's food so much. I can't stress it enough. Like I love the woman and I love her food. I just think she's amazing vibes. So I'm just sharing what I've been doing. None of these people have asked me to do this. So I'm sure you know that by now. If I don't like something, I'm not talking about it. So just letting you know. And I went to go and watch The Lion King with Lev. When I tell you he was over it, he was so excited initially for us to go and watch The Lion King. But I think he thought it was going to be the cartoon. So when he saw like big grown people walking around with big masks on their head, he was like, he, you could, you know, I, I saw him look over at me and like, like he, <laughs> but then when, um, uh, oh, I just can't wait to be king. When that came on, that was his song. You know, that's his song. He loves that. I'm gonna be a Miley king. That's his little accent. <laughs> um, but no, he enjoyed it. He was, yeah, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it, but he was expecting a cartoon. So I don't know, maybe for his birthday. Well, you know, with children, they go off things so quickly. So I was I, I was thinking like I can do like a, a screening for him and his friends of Lion King and have like food and bits for them and they can sit outdoors and have like a projector screen and watch it and it'll be super cute. But knowing Lev, he'll be on to something else very soon. So I don't want to commit myself to anything. Um, so yeah, that was great to go and see that. So thank you for the invite. I appreciate it, Lion King people. Um, but yeah, he it took him a while. He was just like, I don't see cartoons, I don't see actual lions. But no, he loved it. He loved it overall. He just loved being able to hear his songs. And um, yeah, I think it was it was I mean, him being three and a half, it was a lot for him as well, because it's rather long. And um, although they have an interval, but yeah, he he wasn't all the way into that. Um, but yeah, he left with souvenirs and yeah, had the best time. Overall, we had a great day. Um, what else was I gonna say? Oh! That's what I was gonna say. I got a new tattoo <laughs> by Minx, M-I-N-K-X. So Minx uh, now has um, her own studio, her own tattoo studio. Uh, it's called The House of Minx. So M-I-N-K-X. And uh, let me see if I can show you, but not you lot who are listening to the audio <laughs> without dragging my headpiece off. Look at that. I'm just showing you my butter. Oh, oh, 
Oh, look at that. It's a phoenix. I got a phoenix. I hope my foot wasn't dry. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I think that's my updates. Got my phoenix on my thigh. Um, so now watch. Those of you that said that I like to have my chest out, my back out, my leg, my legs out, wherever you so I now I would wear no clothes. The more tattoos I get, the less clothes I wear. Hey, you girl in that tight top shorts. <laughs> Look upon the gyade. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. You know me. I'm Kuth. Oh, I think that's it. Oh, finally, last thing. Get your freaking tickets for my live show in September. I don't know what you think you're doing, but sort it out. Sort it out. Same with, so that's the live show at the Barbican. Some announcements to be made soon. And also the pre-order of the book. You think I'm joking with you. I will hold this podcast to ransom you you must know by you must know by now that i have a propensity to move mad i will lock off this podcast until i see the desired pre-order um sales or pre-order whatever whatever numbers for my book because who who what are we doing i mean i really understand cozy lives but let's all be like let's all be serious with ourselves and i'm not talking to you lot who live in america because i know that your whole thing is slightly different still but um the rest of you the rest of you after all my life i had to fight let me see those numbers go higher 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 baby girl higher 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 Higher, baby girl, lower. Oh, no, higher. Oh, because otherwise, this podcast, 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 this podcast, podcast, podcast will go lower, 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 lower. Let's not play with each other because you know that between the two of us, you that's listening right now, and me, let's think about who's more mad. Like, let's let's really deep it. Who's more mad in this situation? I will hold this podcast to ransom. Let's not play any games. Pre-order Edge of Here and get, if you live in this UK, especially in the southeast of England, I don't want to hear no stories. I don't want to hear no stories. Sort it out. Because if I see one single message about collecting the, the episode wasn't on this week, I was showing off someone, I'll ask you, send me a screenshot. Send me a screenshot of both things that I've asked for. Then you can ask me where the podcast episode is because I don't know how you think all of this is running. Am I running this episode? Am I running this podcast on Gary and Suya? Is that what I'm doing? Is it because if, <laughs> don't let me start. Don't let me start in this place. Let's all know ourselves and let's all respect ourselves, okay? Anyway, that's enough threats. Um, Let's move on. Let's move on to um, this week's tarot uh, question, which comes from a baby person, a baby girl. It says here, um, tarot reading, please. Pregnant, then screwed. Sorry, pregnant and screwed. Dearest Kelechi, I hope this email finds you well. As ever, I want to take the opportunity to thank you for sharing your integrity with us. Being led by a government that teeth like they haven't teethed before 
I appreciate the consistency of your content, both on your own podcasts, on others, or through your socials, where you generously share with us and lead by example on what living in your truth um, looks like, I imagine. It's so refreshing hearing someone be authentically themselves. With every listen, I feel comfortable sharing my authentic truth too. Apologies for the grammar in this email as things are still feeling fresh, but my spirit called me to brain up my thoughts in um, as true a fashion as I can and send them to you. Whilst on a work trip, I just found out I'm pregnant, far from home and feeling alone. I took three pregnancy tests just to make sure, and as the popular meme goes, the woman was too stunned to speak. I informed the father of my child of my truth. For reference, we are not together. In summary, I told him this situation is not ideal and I'd rather do it without you. This isn't something I ever thought I would say growing up with the idea that two parents are best. However, I'm not naive about the negative impact of two parents in a home is not always the healthiest solution. Oh, sorry, the healthiest situation, especially if they have not worked through their shit and the impact spills over negatively onto their children. I owe it to my child to show up for myself and lead by example. I'm sure they would much prefer, short or long term, to be raised by a mother who forever chose peace and joy. And this and this man would not bring me either of those things. He said, um, he said he was hurt, I think that's meant to say, by my comments, and yet said. And I quote, if this is what you've decided, then dot, 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 great, dot, dot, dot. That was a week ago, about a week ago, week ago. Sorry, sorry. And I haven't heard from him since. As I mentioned to my therapist, his delusion is not my problem. The reason why we broke up was due to his selfishness and lack of communication. If I wouldn't want you as a partner, why would I want to be tethered to you consciously in raising a child? No, thank you. I'm a black woman in her mid thirties and I'm slightly concerned about the logistics of raising a child as this cosy lives is making it real hard right now. I am, however, less worried about parenthood as I feel God will give me what I need to raise this child to the best of my ability um, with the support of my community. I've started to document my journey as regardless, I think this is an important aspect of my life that I want to record. But more so than anything else, I'm more worried about the maternal outcomes for black women and the impact on my body and mental health. There isn't a glass door website rating experience of maternity teams in this England by people of colour, although that would be a great resource. And the thought of either my body failing to cultivate um, a healthy home for my child or the healthcare system not addressing my needs or concerns that the impact results in negative outcomes for both of us. And so I would like a message from spirit. I don't know what I need to hear, but right now I need to hear something. I'm very early into the pregnancy. And as mentioned above, I don't feel comfortable telling friends and family right now. I trust that the words will find me when I need them. But right now I could use a little helping hand through you with gratitude and sincerity, a worried baby girl. I've included my birth chart below. Oh, I love. Oh, so yeah, you, I mean... You're gonna you're gonna feel Jupiter, um what is this? Jupiter is gonna be impacting your natal Mars. So we're gonna have all of that going on. Um so yeah, I guess you're yeah, you're gonna be feeling some of that. Your your Jupiter, your natal Jupiter is in Leo though. That is gorgeous. Um also, yeah, you've got a lot going on. Um Saturn conjunct your sun 
and Uranus and Neptune. Okay. Beautiful, you're a Libra rising. I love that. I love that. Um, well, I think you sent me Placidus because it's showing me some weird things as well. But um, okay, let's get to the message. Let's see what um even comes up for us here. Let me just bring this up. Switch that. Okay. Does that look cute? Yeah, I think I'll leave it as half screen. Let me just slide myself forward. <sighs> okay, still coming through on the mic. It's Jenny Francis. No, it's not. It's just me. Um, do I like this one? Yeah, I think I'll leave it like this so you can see more clearly. So what is the message for you at this time? Um, if I don't know. I don't usually when I'm reading um what uh questions from people I start to feel things and I just don't feel a lot I feel like wherever because I can't remember the date let me see the date that you sent this because I didn't look too tough you sent this in February so you're kind of well into the thing now aren't you well into it. I'm praying that everything's going well for you. And it's interesting that you mentioned about black maternal mortality rates, because by the time that this comes out, should everything go to plan, I would have had a brief conversation with Keir Starmer, which I'm hoping to post um, what we end up talk, chatting about um, on socials. And then I'll kind of put the clip on here as well so it can live on the podcast as well. Um, because, yeah, I just think that black maternal mortality rates, I don't, I don't appreciate when, was it Boris who said to us that it's not something that they're really looking to address right now. And then they started to kind of conflate it with other demographics who um, are facing hardships within the healthcare system as well. And it was just like, no, we're talking about misogynoir. We're talking about misogynoir in real time. So can we just focus, please? Can we fucking focus? So, um, Oh, I, I love this for you. I feel like the message for you right now is like, don't let go because it's just a... I was going to say it's just a step from heaven, but that doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Let me rephrase that. When we're talking about heaven, we're talking about the things that you want, the ideal life that you want is all happening for you at this time and maybe that's actually a song that you like I feel from looking at where your um, Pluto is we're of and you said your age anyway um or did you say your age I think you hinted to your age but either way you're part of my generation so you'll know that song I'm also using a deck of cards um oracle cards created by Janelle Jupiter called the Tower um, Oracle, the Tower Oracle. And she's Janelle, J-A-N-E-L-L-E dot Jupiter on Insta. Um, Let me see if I can show you the, it's such a beautiful deck. Like you lot coming through with your designs as well. Not all of us making oracle decks, but this, I love this so much. It's beautiful. So let's see what cards you get from, oh, lots of, oh, one second. Just picking up the card that fell. Okay. All right. We've got your bits um, now. Um, I think, yeah, I feel like that's it. So the reason I sang the song to you is because you've got the Wheel of Fortune that comes out, which is just beautiful. The Wheel of Fortune upright speaks to good luck. Like luck is in your favor. And I know that that might feel challenging right now because it feels like you've got um, 
a lot of conflict around you. Five of Wands here, we see dog fighting. Uh, dog, dog fighting. Yeah, dog fighting. We see dogs fighting. And the uh, sentence that comes to my head is, I haven't got a dog in this fight. We shouldn't let dogs fight each other anyway. But the reason that, that came out is like, don't get yourself embroiled with what other kind of family drama that people have going on. Or if people are arguing around you, it's not for you to now go in and in, in, like, involve yourself because it's got nothing to do with you. Um, and then we've got the lover's card as well. So I feel like you've either met someone um, or are going to meet someone, but it feels like you've met someone. And so if you've met someone and you are apprehensive about the fact that, oh, well, I'm pregnant and it's not their child unless you and this guy started working through things. But if you're like, oh, I'm pregnant and it's not their child and like you're proper, like worrying yourself about it, like just don't. Let me, I want to switch views. Yeah, just don't. I think that's a better view. Yeah, just don't stress yourself out about that. Like people will take you as you are. And the next card you've got here is, um, Am I beautiful or am I blessed? Trick question. I'm both. And that's really a word for you to remember because I know that pregnancy, as it develops, as the stages develop, you can just start feeling a type of way. And sometimes um, people who are pregnant don't necessarily feel like attractive. They feel this, they feel that. You are gorgeous and you are blessed. And that's why the Wheel of Fortune came out and then the Lover's Card came out. So I sang that song. Because it is like being in like a very serene, beautiful space that feels like heaven. It feels like, oh, this is great. And that's what I feel for you. So um, if you're having a challenging day, just know that that's the energy around you. But I feel like this is energy that's already playing out. But this five of wands keeps dragging my eye. Just going to pull a clarifier. What is the five of wands spirit? Like, what are you saying with this five of wands? Because, you know, a baby girl's just going to freestyle if you don't tell me the thing specifically. What is the five of wands? Oh, yeah. 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 You're you're getting way too involved. We've got the ten of wands here. You're getting way too involved in what, what everybody else. It feels like a family matter. Like. You're getting way too involved in other people's things. And also at the same time, don't be afraid to let people help you because I think there's a part of you that's like, oh, I'm just going to do this by myself. And I keep, so you keep getting like five and 10. Well, you got, yeah, you got two fives, two tens, and then one six. Don't ask me to do the maths. Um, yeah, don't ask me two fives, two tens, 36 in it. It's 36 in it. Yeah, it's 36. What's funny though, is the card that you got from the Janelle Jupiter um, deck, the Tower Oracle, is numbered 36. So there's a num- that's an num- important number for you, I, um, I guess. And 36, I don't know when you're that age, but it's a good look for you. So keep going because there's, it just feels like an abundance of blessings, but keep yourself out of other people's business and stop ca- um, taking paracetamol for other people's headaches. Um, and we've got the five of pentacles here. That's why I said, let people help you because there's this feeling of like, oh, I'm alone. What's that like? I'm alone and I'm doing all of this by myself. Um, let people help you. Let people help you. Because if you see the image of this um, person in the five of pentacles, they're crouched down and their heads bent. And then somebody's walking by them who's also in like wearing tattered clothing. So don't think that just because... Um, 
don't just don't assume what people are capable of just be, because you've yeah because you've assumed you thought ah oh, but well they won't be able to help me because they've got this and that going on you don't know like let just give people the benefit of the doubt right and then from the uh, Janelle Jupiter's uh, the Tower or, um, Oracle the card you got is money is not your home while resources are important this next go round. Focus on what fills your heart and not only what fills your pocket. And I think that that's such a very, um, it's a timely message because we were literally just talking about, take that off now. We were literally, you wrote in your letter about not being worried about parenthood. Like you're not worried about being a great parent. You're more worried about like, how does somebody do all of this? Like, how will I raise the child? Let me tell you, you'll figure it out, you know. You'll figure it out. I haven't been as resourceful financially as ever um, as since the since the time I've had Lev. Like you will make shit work. You will make it work, Mama. Mama, you know I love you. You, you know I love you, Mama. Yeah, like it really asks of you to be innovative, to be creative, but you'll do what you need to do. I have every faith in you. I'm not going to sing I believe in you, but I have every faith in you that you'll be just fine. And these cards confirm that you'll be just fine. I don't need to embellish the message or go too hard. I feel like what the message as it is for you will resonate with you. And the lover's card coming out is beautiful for you because everything for you, everything is going to be okay. Yeah. Everything is going to be just fine and it's going to feel like heaven. Yeah. Oh, heaven. Yeah. It's, it's going to feel great. Yeah. So. I pray that that resonates with you. Oh, okay. So um, that's the letter for Tarot. Uh, Magnificence. I just want to big up the dancers at Star Garden. Um, it's Star, Star Garden is a strip club, I believe. Um, they The dancers there are the first, uh, I think first ever to unionize. I'm just making sure I've got that correct. Because, uh, yeah, I just think it's, fantastic it says here dancers at star garden have won their battle to unionize and become the only union strippers in the country that's in america um the owners have written with have withdrawn their challenge to the union election and agreed to meet with actors equity to negotiate a union contract um we spoke to the dancers when they started their union campaign a year ago. It's been a long struggle against ferocious union busting, but now they've opened the door to improving conditions across the country. Big up yourselves. Two slaps on you lot's chest because sex work is work, right? I do. If you're listening to this and when I said that your body kind of did something, you need to address that. You need to address that because sex work is work. Right. And the same ways that there are protections for you in your job, why are there not, why don't we have protections for, um, in, in that regard for sex workers? Why? Because if, what's interesting is it's an industry that people are very, very, very interested in and they patronize a lot. Yet the people who are doing the work within that industry are treated like trash. And for what? Because we don't want to um, address um, our repressions and our uh, the ways that we usurp our sexuality and our sensuality. We don't want to address that. We don't want to uh, address misogyny, misogynoir. We don't want to um, address the um, 
the disrespect that we show femmes and femme presenting people like there's just so much outside of that regardless of of gender sex work is work and so having a union makes all of the difference and I know that there's been amazing work that's been done in the UK regarding um you know strippers and um just dancers across the board sex workers across the board um and the rights that they deserve and even some of my favorite MPs have let me down the way that they talk about sex work and we all have to look at like the spots that we are not so conversant of and are not so willing to um embrace and to understand so I love that for the dancers at Star Garden. Big up yourselves. Like, I think that. And it's what we're saying about Pluto and Aquarius. Power to the people all day, every day. Power to the people. You lot can't just keep chopping, 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 chopping. And then the people who you're chopping off of, then they don't have anything. It's not fair. So I I, I rate it. I rate it. And um, I pray that as this is happening, it means that, um, marginalized, marginalized folk who are also um, within the industry, they get protections as well. So, yeah, my phone's proper going off. Um, so I just wanted to share that. I thought it was amazing. Anyway, now I will cut to because you've sat, seen this sat with me the whole time. Mandem is being edited by Iggy London, and it has some great um, contributions. It's an anthology, um, uh, all black men talking about their their experience of um black masculinity so this is a proof coffee a copy that i have but this book is now out so you can all get into it um some of the some of the contributions one of them's called mandem united that's the opening by iggy london um are you a bocat by jordan stevens um we've got an uh, one by caleb femi we've got birthday cards by yomi shode and um we've got Get Rich or Die Trying by Athian Akek. Um, the Audacity of Heartbreak by Iggy London. Wish I Was a Drill Artist by Ashley Hickson Lovins. And Who Let the Dogs In by Okechukun Zelu. Condomless Sex by Phil Sambar. King Kele by Christian Adolfo. Pellet Gun Boy by Jeffrey Boachi. And I talked to him shortly. The Pink Frame by um, Shopper Shoton. And. Um, how to Build an Immigrant by Dipo, Dipo Faloyin and The Eulogy by Iggy London. So um, the opening says, this book is not just for the woke. This book is not just for the politically correct inner city creatives living in Shoreditch, um, trendiest apartments. This book is not just for the people who listen to podcasts and are well-versed on speaking about the effects of gentrification and the staggering cost of living. Your chakras do not need to be aligned for you to understand this book. You don't need to have a PhD in social theory for you to relate to this book, uh, to the book's themes. This is because this book is not just for the intellectual. It's not just for the young men and women of the snowflake generation who know what hypermasculinity is. This book is not just for black men who feel comfortable wearing fuchsia or pink or velvet. I know there are many of us. Shout out to my fellow breth- and brethren. This book is not just for my mother who probably found it easier to shut this book than to open it. Although she probably would never say it out loud. Shout out to you too. This book is not just about masculinity. It is not strictly about class, nor race, nor religion. This book is not just for the mandem. This book is and will forever be a book for the people. The book that seeks to challenge what society views um, is an important story to tell and what isn't. This book is personal to everyone who reads it. 
And it's the lived experiences that are written down in this book that will continue to challenge and remove the right ring, or sorry, the tight ring that holds a lot of men and women to believe the stereotypes referenced herein. And Lord knows I have had to learn this the hard way. Um, and Iggy London, who um, edits and curates this, he, you know, he... He shares a lot and I think it's absolutely beautiful. So it says here at the back, told from the perspectives of some of the finest contemporary black writers and thinkers, Mandem is an ode to the moments in our past that shape us and gratitude at being able to appreciate these lessons in the present. In a beautiful blend of prose and lyricism, each essay sees its author tap into their most vulnerable place, engaging honestly in conversations often silently grappled with by black British men because of socially enforced beliefs around black masculinity. The themes in this essay collection range from the importance of male role models and the unique relationship between mother and son to the sexual pressure placed on young heterosexual men, while also asking the question, what does contemporary black queerness actually look like? Um, so yeah, it's been um, edited by Iggy and it has um, essays from the people that I mentioned and it's already out. It came out in March. Um, this is by Jacaranda Books. I think Jacaranda Books. And you know, I love the people at Jacaranda Books. So yeah, I'll let you enjoy the conversation that I have with Iggy London and Jeffrey Boachi. Trust me, there's a part where I start creasing up and also I look cute well thank you Iggy and Jeffrey for joining me in this convo um to discuss Mandem so I've got I've got the proof copy um here and um I was reading for everybody's like um contributions and it's really amazing I you know what it made me think about that I don't actually listen to men <laughs> I'm so dead. She was like, I actually don't understand the story. But men, what are they? I've never listened to a man. I don't know what that thing is. They, they, it's like they, they have feelings. <laughs> I'm so dead. I love that. No, this is absolutely incredible because I love the collection because we're actually. I think like what we're experiencing is the multifaceted nature of what black manhood, what black man masculinity means. And I think we are literally, and I use the word intentionally, I feel like we are robbed of that in society. We're literally robbed of it. And I, I feel like it's intentional, but it's, <laughs> it's not my time to speak. So <laughs> um, in the first instance, like Iggy, what kind of inspired this collection? And how did then did you go about getting like these fantastic um, men on board? Got Jeffrey as well. You know, like how did you go about going? You know what? Almost curating and bringing everybody in to. I feel like it's a movement. Yeah, no, hundred percent. For me, it was really interesting because fundamentally, it is a movement. It's a blueprint. But also, what I wanted people to understand is that a lot of men live life um in silos they live life in their own heads and i feel like we um believe and we are told and from a very young age that we must have a certain dogma a rules of, of life and religion that become us and then we for we we impose that onto the world and so very often people start that dogma quite early and don't realize that we have more 
similarities and differences. And so what I really wanted to do is just really be able to, number one, just tie those two similarities together to make us realize that we're experiencing the same thing. Um, but then also fundamentally, as you said, like, what does that look like when you, you tie those things together and you realize that those things shape men, which shape how men are treating women, how men treat other sort of people within society, how men wish to raise um, each other and how men support each other. And so like, for me, it's like a conversation, as you, you mentioned, like, you know, so very often women don't necessarily listen to men, but in, in, in the same way, because men ain't chatting. Men ain't really yeah. talking to tea. Yeah. Men ain't really like going like, yo, actually, this was actually as to, the reason why I have this belief is because of this. Yeah. And I feel like it was really important to really like, bring that together i'm not right trying to establish or talk about things um in relation to like adults but i'm thinking bringing it back to a very vulnerable time as men um such as our childhood and what does that really mean and so yeah it was brilliant sort of like bringing everyone together like people i i knew from day like i knew like other people that were talking about the subject um and i could literally just reach out to them to say you know whether they're interested and like have a dialogue and like the one thing that I said it needs to be vulnerable, like the whole, like the whole book needs to be vulnerable. So like bring a topic or come hard with a topic that you think that is like, is going to challenge you. And then, then other people that I've been following for a very long time, like Jeffrey, who I absolutely love and has been writing books upon books upon books. Like you do it like, it's like light work to Jeffrey. And so for me, it was really <laughs> important to like have his voice um, and have his sort of mindset because it, it anchored the book as such a, um, in, in, in different respects. And I just feel like it has like such a, uh, a more sort of, um, layered and, and, uh, you know, just quite, it's quite varied, you know? So yeah, that's how it kind of like started and, and how I kind of like brought people together. I love it. I love it so, so much because like just the titles, um, and the explanation. So we've got, well, we've got, um, your both of your pieces that we're going to go into shortly but i became intrigued by condomless sex yeah by phil samba amazing yeah. and like amazing. just just you know like there's just there is so like i want to use the word raw lol but mm. no like I, I want to use that word because, but then I think that sometimes when publishers or people just generally, when they discuss the works of black people, they want to go to that word. But as a black person who's using that word, it is that it is like, it's unfiltered and it is vulnerable. So when I talk about the, it being raw, it's just that vulnerability that it hasn't been seasoned or peppered with anything other than, or sugarcoated. It's just like, here, here is what it is. And I think that yeah. it's, um, it's revolutionary to be able to see black men in that way. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. Fully. That chapter, I learned so much from it. That's the thing. Like, I learned so much by reading this book. You know, when you get sent a copy of a book, you get a proof, you flick through. I just like inhaled it, and I was learning about, obviously, the authors themselves, mm -hmm. but about my own lived experience. You know, Phil Samba's chapter taught me things about sexual health. That yes. I've never had articulated to me, and I'm yeah. a big growing person. It was really amazing. So just yeah, thank you, Iggy, for assembling this group of writers because it's really special. And I'm like, I'm just glad to have like read it as well as been in it. You know? That's when you know that you're part of something amazing. 
Like when you yeah. are, when you're reading everybody else's work and you're like, we, we did that. We, we did. Like you are genuinely growing from reading what other people have also contributed. I think that that is um, incredible. But speaking about your work, Jeffrey, <laughs> Pelican yeah. Boy was so, it was, I was reading it and I was like, this is so Jeffrey. Like, even though we haven't spent much time together, we kind of like see each other in person. I read it and I was just like, it's so like you telling that story just felt quintessentially you. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I I think I just took the brief as, let me just go into like the realest story about my experience of growing up in my corner of the world and what I learned in my adolescence. And you get a pretty, yeah, as, as you say, that is me on the page. (laughs) so like without reading the whole thing because i don't want to i don't want to spoil it for everybody that's going to go and buy it Um, yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) but this bit when um you're talking about um you say here um a group of kids stopped what they were doing and started to approach a few of them laughing at my trainer's haircut and the choice of pastime in that order i skated away at um uncatchable speeds and was left with a slightly raised heart rate and this anecdote here's a list of other times i found myself in danger just by being out and about being out late in the West End with some friends after school, courtesy of the um, number 19 bus and being surrounded by a larger group of boys. One of us gave up some money and I got a punch in the face, at which point a nearby girl... <laughs> at which point a nearby girl screamed, he's wearing glasses, he's wearing glasses. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> Was that you? Were you the nearby girl? I just remembered his voice. He's wearing glasses. And at that point, everyone was like, oh, you know what? This guy's wearing glasses. Let's just all leave. After <laughs> yeah. that anecdote ended, you know, <laughs> I got punched in the face with my glasses. But I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's real out there. <laughs> because it's no, honestly, I can imagine that it was, um, there were aspects to it that's traumatic. But you know, like sometimes yeah. we replay things that happened to us in our youth. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, that's actually wild and then you remember the most random things that also happened at the same time so it was the detail of he's wearing glasses he's wearing glasses (laughs) that sent me because that's typical young uh, woman out in west end just a little bit drunk and just being frantic (laughs) guys don't leave him alone no please no (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly how it went down like that's that's the perfect impression of that moment and that's why i remembered it like seriously, you know, <laughs> and just the reality that as black men, as black boys growing into men, you all experience so much. The things mm. that go unsaid, the things that over time we have to find humor, we have to find lightness in because I guess that you know, and this you know, this collection um, exemplifies that that. At some point, there has there has to be the things that we share in order that the load may be lighter. Yeah, Oscar, yeah. Shandaha. I'm speaking in tongues because the way it's real, I'm telling you for free. Like it's, can you believe? Like, and I feel like it's so deep because I understand. I understand the position in which um, um, men in general in society can be um, raised um, to a certain extent, and so and their positioning in contrast to like other people and other like women in society and things like that. But I really need people to understand is that there's a false sense of um, security that, that men just generally sort of have. Mm-hmm. And they take that on board throughout their whole life. And I feel like we don't realize how, how um, 
how extensive the load is and how how difficult it is to to sort of exist knowing fully well that the only time in which you sort of like have these deep conversations or only time that you hint at where you're at in life is when you go, yo, you saying you good? Yeah, I'm good. Trying to be like you. I right, cool. See, see you later. Yeah, Bless man. Yeah. And that's it. It's just the little, you know, these little fleeting sort of comments that we try to do to mask all of these things that we actually are feeling because we believe that everyone else in society is just getting on with it and has, you know, deals with it. In actual fact, we don't. In actual fact, you know, you know, it's connected to the suicide rates. It's connected to depression. It's connected to like, why like, you know, it's connected to, you know, you know, um, children being in, you know, fathers being in their children's lives. It's connected to how we treat women. It's connected to all these things, you know, uh, ourselves. And like, but then you, sometimes you got to bring humour to it. Like you got to bring sort of humour to it so for people to feel like it's palatable and people to reach a mass um, audience. Um, and also to, to understand that like, um, it's not all doom and gloom, you know, True. for sure. Yeah, no, yeah exactly, true. exactly. Yeah, that's the humanity part, isn't it? Like just bringing that, the nuance of a whole human being, it gets lost with black masculinity sometimes because yeah. we're just stereotyped, maligned, demonized, discriminated against. So all the nuances of what makes a person a person can get lost. And it's so, it's tragic. So I just love the fact that you get all that when you read this collection. Yeah. You do, you get to meet so many like different types of, you know, characters and so many different memories and it's funny the things we remember it's funny the things that we do want to talk about before we talk about your piece Iggy and well you you um feature quite a bit in this since you put it together um before we talk about your piece I wanted to talk with to you both about the nod at what point do you just know that when you see another black man you nod because I feel like as black women we don't have that Really? Maybe, maybe they just don't nod at but me. Maybe they have we have other things. I feel like as black women, we have certain things. You know, like as a well, you know, as a black woman, you can be in a space with another black woman and then something wild happens and you will always find each other's eyes. And if you don't find each other's <laughs> eyes, that person's an op. Like, <laughs> that, like that <laughs> An op, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like when you see collective madness happening, there is a way that you will just see each other and you'll be like, and that's it. And enough has been said, and you're you're like, cool. So maybe it's not the nod, but it's something. But at, in terms of black men, I feel like that wherever I go in the world, when black men see each other, the nod happens. I was like, when did you like? When did you have a meeting? What? How? How did this? Like talk me talk to me about it because exactly. I find it fascinating and I find it heartwarming in the same way. Yeah, no, no. Just to let you know, like, I, um, I know that nobody knows this, but you know, we're all we, you know, black men have basically formed a massive group, uh, <laughs> like it's a whole society. We meet every Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but basically, like, the nod for me is everything. The mod, the nod, unfortunately, is the way in which we we we, we discuss, we which we way which we commune as, as young men but also there's this like respect this is mutual sort of respect or mutual sort of like empathy it's like it's like instead of saying um i empathize with you or having a conversation it's like through the nod i feel like i understand your plight i understand your fight your 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 struggle and it's also just like being appreciative of someone else like there's a there's a sort of like like you know power onwards sort of like reference to it or it's like I got you bro or like yo you see someone that you see people like you, you know like 
you would be cool, you'd be friends with, you give them a nod. Like, there's so many different meanings behind it. I feel like it's so strange because I don't know these people from, from Adam. Like, but I'm out here like, I would nod, you know? And, I, and I'm and i really complicit in it. Like, I'd be hating people up and I'd be like, I'll give you a little nod. Just let you know, yeah, I see you. I see you doing your thing, bro. It's a spud. It's like a, it's a spud when you're, you're, you're too far to actually spud them. Like a head spud. In it, I can it's the same yeah it's like it's just being seen you, you know like actually being seen for what you are and what your lived experience is there's a lot in there because that nod says i see you but i also recognize you i recognize what you're going through i recognize yeah. the unspoken trauma i recognize our shared heritage like that's yeah. a big part of it it is yeah. it is like a recognition of family, which which makes it really powerful, man. It's um it's it's love really. And as I get older and I start exploring this great white world that we live in, I'm mm. I'm in a lot of spaces where I'm in the minority, like the more I get into the world of media and stuff, you just find yourself in a space where like, where's all the black people? Mm-hmm. That nod becomes a big thing. It becomes sometimes I go beyond the nod and it becomes a handshake and then it becomes mm. a first name, like how are you? You know, because part of that is just linking arms with people who are who are sort of sharing your plight, and yeah. it can feel yeah. like that sometimes. So yeah, big deal, big yeah. deal. Yeah. So then, yeah, how yeah. do we? Where? Where? How do we? Is there a stage where we go from where are you from? Like you mentioned in your um piece. Yeah. Um. How do we go from where are you from to the nod? Because. They're, they're separate experiences, right? One is of hostility, um, in certain regards, hostility, curiosity, mm. but hostility. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. how do we go from where you're from to the nod? Is is that the maturity? What happens there? Should I take this one, Iggy? Because, I mean, having written about that specifically, that whole adolescent phase, for every human being, you're just trying to work out who you are, but you're also trying to empower yourself in some way. That's what adolescence is. Mm-hmm. Like I taught for 15 years and you see, you see teenagers trying on literally different outfits of identity. Like one day they look like that one, they look like this. Mm-hmm. So in that phase, when you're trying to work out who you are as a young male, because mm-hmm. the patriarchy is real, it's telling you to be powerful mm-hmm. from, from a very young age. And so you're trying to like copy these patterns of power and machismo that you've been shown. And one way of doing that is to exert your aggression over other people. It's, it's so tragic, right? Mm. Because that's not what we are. So that where you from conversation is all about your insecurity over not being like a tough man, over not having power. So you're going to exert it. And that makes that whole time of life, for some people, it can be very dangerous. Like, because you're in this game that you didn't sign up for of like masculinity, power politics. But then hopefully you come out the other end of that where you find yourself in a way that isn't tied to like toxic masculinity or to the stereotyping or, or to the proximity to crime and deprivation that can make you insecure. You come out of that and then it becomes, so you've been through something, I've been through something, we're together in this. So like my piece is a love story, really. I'm not sure Iggy what you think, but I think they're all love stories in like, there's there's a thread of love in all of them even mine which is about an antagonist and a protagonist me with my glasses on skating around london it's actually a love story between the two of us 
you know. And it, it I, has I kind a romantic of romantic brought... flair to it. You it know, has, there are that? Yeah, there are different ways that like romance can show up, you know, randomly, even in our kind of feuds or our this nemesis yeah. that we have in our area, regardless of anything. It, there's just a dynamic to it that is almost cinematic in a way that it plays yeah. out. And I feel like your piece specifically speaks to that. But um, yeah, I do feel like when I reach uh, read each of the um, you know each of the pieces, each of the contributions that that does come across that it's either an you know an element of love, um, unrequited love, um, mm-hmm. de- depriving ourselves of love, um, uh, a, you know, tentative sh- a sharing of love, um, seeing how it plays out in other people's lives. There are so many facets that you can see that thread of love running through. But in terms of you, Iggy. And love, you speak to us about the audacity of heartbreak. And it really touched me because you opened with just initially thinking you were dying. Only Kelly, you don't forget the sun. I legit thought I was dying. I thought, like, yo, this feeling that I got, I mean, I need all of y'all to understand. <laughs> I'm really in the trenches. And I need, I need ginger, I need lemon, I need lemsip, I need something. I need prayer, I need fasting. I did lateral flow test. I did lateral flow test. I went to the doctors. I came back. I did this. I did that. I told my mama about it. My mom prayed about it. I told my grandma about it. She prayed about it. My brothers were hitting me up being like, yo, try this. Have you heard about this? Kombucha. I learned about kombucha because of this. And then it just took me one, the notebook. One yes. notebook to realize, well, this is what people are really experiencing. And it was during the height of COVID, which I found so funny during the height of COVID. And thinking it must be COVID. It must be, it must be COVID because it can't be me. It can't be like my heartbreak. And actually just pairing it back and understanding where it came from. And then like realizing, oh yeah, it actually is heartbreak. And so so for someone for me, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, like big man thing, like say your mind is is say your mind. Like for me. I was the black, previously, I was the black Casanova in the streets then, mm. right? I'm like wow. Shoreditch, Central, you give me Ace Hotel, can you call at any event? I was trying my luck. I was you trying were my there, luck. five foot 11, was, giving low in, voice. You were telling them, you were like, yo, who can chat? You? Who can chat? Again, I was in the chat, I was walking, smiling, winking, don't know, gang, gang. So then I just went, <laughs> you know, like, living my best winking. life. <laughs> And then I started to DP, you know, I met my match. Met Ooh. my match in 2019. And then that's when it sort of like, sort of kind of like collided to me when I was just like, oh, geez, I'm not this person that I thought I was. And in fact, oh, I'm also, um, I have the privilege and the experience to actually feel heartbreak, yes. to understand the emotional sort of connections between my body and my mind and, and how like um, I can move past those things. And it doesn't have to be this feeling of like, woe is me. Mm. But the one thing that I've re- I learned the most is that sometimes when you have heartbreak, sometimes there's this kind of desire to want to 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 fester and, and stay in your heartbreak because you feel like that's the only way to connect with the person that's obviously no longer in your life. Mm. So you're struggling to like move on past it because you feel as though like you're so connected to them and even if it's a bad feeling you feel like this is the only way you connect to them so for me it was like yeah exactly it's the one thing that you have left exactly Mm. so it's one of those things where for me it was like I had to go through that process to understand more about myself 
to understand where I'm at. And also to realize that it's actually very much common. And I used to laugh at the girls or I used to laugh at the guys who were like, yeah, 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 you know, I'm this, I'm that. And this idea of simp energy and all of these other things are connected to like that. And I was like, actually, it's something, it's something which, is, which is really powerful um, and beautiful in understanding your emotions and understanding where you connect and, you know, and doing yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's so important that you say that. I, one thing, I love how it caught you off guard because you were really on that app for boredom. I mean, oh, yeah, let's just go. I mean, why not? Let's go eat Turkish food. <laughs> you know? And then she walks in and she was a babe. I was like, ah, pepper them. Pepper them. She caught you. <laughs> really? I mean, I mean, I thought that I was really, you know, when you do it for boredom, you're like, yo, like, I really haven't ate this type of fish yet, or this pasta, or this yeah. kind of. And then you're like, "Yo, no, 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 that's it. I really met my match." Yeah. And then I realized, well, also, I'm just realized at the end of the day, like, you can't be out here feeling that people aren't going to do the same to you. Like, this it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I always yeah. like if if creator could create you, Omar. They also created a mirror to you so there'll be someone who can match you where you're at like they'll go toe to toe and more so in terms of allowing our spiritual evolution because sometimes people think about soulmates and things like that um or people like that as merely the romantic feel-good things but your soulmates also show up for your own spiritual evolution because had that not happened you wouldn't have written this and and Mm. and so it leads on to the other thing i wanted to say that Um, when you mention when women experience heartbreak or they have things to go to, like there is, there's a sort of like a framework because we've seen it play out in movies and songs Mm. and books. I don't think that it is that way for many men. No, Mm. but you know, like I don't think that there is that framework of when you're going through a heartbreak, at least these are the things that you work through. So they're kind of like muddling their way through and then nobody wants to admit that raw. Oh, I was down bad. So you don't really, have much to use if that makes sense no oh completely all one thousand and ten percent so what happens is that they revert back to their old energy and they they renounce this idea that they could ever be heartbroken renounce an idea that they could ever feel this way towards a woman a man a person they love and so it's so funny because i feel like it's so it's such a redundant way of doing it but People do it every single day. They just like, oh, uh, you know, it's the same energy. And I don't, and I don't, I hate when people do it, but like mm. when you, you know, someone moves to a girl and then, you know, the, the girl like kind of says, nah, and it says, yeah. oh, your buzz anyway. Yeah. Like, what do you mean your buzz? You were really moving to them. You, you really giving the back. energy. You really love them. You really care for them before they were paying. So it's the same sort of thing. Like, I feel like men just don't, men put it to the, the back of their heads and just kind of like, um, yeah. operate as, as usual. When actually, they have to address that. In order to address it, they get they become better humans. They become better people for it, um, and they know how to actually manage their emotions. And I feel like the that I feel like this is starting a conversation where we people can actually understand what is the blueprint for men. What do what do men do when they're heartbroken? Yeah, man. And yeah. And then do, um, you know? Jeffrey, you started teaching in what 2007? Is it 2007? 2007, correct? Yeah. 2007, yeah. you started teaching. So I imagine you've experienced a lot of young boys or boys. You know, yeah. having contending with with emotion, contending oh, with feelings. The yeah, same way that you, totally. see them, you see them try on personalities and try on identities yeah. and things like that. Feeling, seeing them also try to navigate feeling in a yes. society that tells them not to. Exactly, exactly, and 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 also like a big part of it. Like I spend a lot of time thinking about popular culture, and when you were just saying there that 
women are socialized to have this toolkit, something to reach for, right? It sounds like trite, but when you think about it, in the 90s, we we had like R&B singers that would sing about being upset. We had R&B boy bands that would sing their hearts out. In the back, rain. In the, re- in the rain, man, man, you know? Man, them were just in shirtless the, yeah. in the rain. Not to their knees <laughs> in the rain, you know? Rip the shirt off. And then you go back 70s, you've got Teddy Pendergrass, you've got Isley Brothers. These, these guys are crying. I've, I started teaching like in this weird, slightly nihilistic time when it was either having the party and getting all the girls or the toxic the masculinity party, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or yeah, or like making the money or being tougher than everyone else. So in terms of expression, like how do you express these feelings through like something like music? Mm. A lot of these younger people coming up, they're just not used to that. Like they don't see their stars crying. UK drill artists are starting to get a bit more emotional like you're hearing love songs in UK drill you're starting to but that yeah, vulnerability yeah, like, for example, like I would never forget commitment issues like mm, right. I, like that song, I got commitment issues but I'm trying to fix that for you like even though it's like so menial like it's so small like at least we're actually addressing right like, some of the things that we've actually emotionally are connected to and that could be do connected to our to our childhood even if, if it's so, like higher and there's levity in that but yeah, yeah. no carry on yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Maybe, you know what? Say what you will about Drake. Like, that's a whole other conversation. But he ushered in this era of people just, like, letting their emotions out via yeah. hip-hop. And the door opened wide because suddenly after yeah. that, you had this mandem singing on tracks. Like, yeah. which yeah. when I was coming up in the 90s, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear rappers singing True. melody, yeah. you know. So, and now that's part of, so that's quite healthy in a way because you need all the facets of humanity to come out of you in some way. Otherwise it gets brittle, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, sure. I, it's, it's, oh, I feel like, you know, and I don't say this lightly, I feel like there's healing um, to be found in reading the contributions in Mandem. I think that it's a way that we connect. Like we can't do this without each other, like specifically black people, we can't do this without each other. So it's important for us to be able to look at each other's experiencing um, experiences unflinchingly to be able to just look and then decide how we move on from there. Because to me that that is the quintessential foundation of black love, not just in a romantic sense, in the, in terms of community, in terms of friendship, we have to be able to be friends to each other and see you know, and relate and empathize um, with each other's experiences. So I feel like you've done a phenomenal uh, job by, you know, putting this together, Iggy, and also your contributions, Jeffrey. And outside of this, Jeffrey, the work that you've done already, like I think that that body of work speaks to so many things and even what you've um, contributed, Iggy, culturally, whether it's visually, whether it's um, audio or or otherwise, like you're both putting such incredible things out there and I think that is super important that we do have these things so on a closing note um from each of you um what is the one thing you'd want to say to like the man them that listen because I know that Iggy you said that this is for everybody right but let's specifically speak to like the people who listen to who are um specifically man them what's the one thing that you'd want said to them yeah this is like this is a powerful thing. For me, it's like, um, I think it goes back to sort of my definition of masculinity in the book, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but like, I think I speak more so about, if there's one thing, one, one, one thing, it would be, I speak um, 
quite a lot about this idea of um you know our sort of role as people like it's about understanding our emotions as men um, and about understanding you know our pitfalls where we struggle but where we rise and how we sort of levitate and how we put power into ourselves to to move and develop as people as men as a group all in the world understanding our our relationship with women understanding our relationship with um others who don't identify as men and i think it's really 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 important that we start to understand our emotions so um as you said kelechi i think it's more about being able to experience something and be unflinching towards what will happen being able to experience our voices and understand so so my one take would probably be just listen to us listen to 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 to, to us men more like have conversations and um take it from just the nod to genuine you know talks and mm. and like be open and be honest with what you're feeling and and don't be scared because at the end of the day there's another man probably experiencing the exact same thing that you're experiencing so yeah that would be my one take for sure i love that thank there you go mic drop mic drop i got almost nothing else to add to that man i was like amen i was nodding i was doing the slow blink nodding that was me um i'm just saying like <laughs> i'm just saying like you know don't don't hold you know stereotypical masculinity too tightly because the tighter you grip it the more it grips you that's what i'm learning like that's that's my journey that i'm on now like you know the more you like you've got to have a loose grip on traditional notions of masculinity because they're trying to get you by the throat and you can see how much damage it does to other people to individuals to society so yeah and a book like this it's just to me groundbreaking because it's lots of chinks in the armor into the person behind mm. the facade. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you again. And thank you, Kletchi, because you're a superstar. And if people <laughs> don't tell you that, they need to tell you that every day. Honestly, what you do and what you bring is incredible, man. So just thank you. Now thank you both. Thank you for joining me. And I'll definitely let the people them know where to get Mandem. So thank you. Well. I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, the bit that actually threw me that I... Oh, stop, don't hit him. Don't hit him. He's got glasses. <laughs> He's got glasses on. No, it was... Thank you, Iggy and Jeffrey, for speaking with me. Like, absolute baby boys. It was an absolute pleasure to be chatting with the man them. And yeah, it was great. So anyway, two slaps on your chest. And now we move to um, So You Mad. So So You Mad, there's quite a bit. I just wanted to briefly talk about the fact that um, Montana has become the first state in the US to completely ban TikTok. Uh, I don't know what that means, though. I don't know what it means to ban TikTok because when VPNs exist, I I don't know. I, I really don't get it. But it's very interesting. It says Montana's governor signed the country's first bill that outright bans TikTok, paving the way for a legal fight that could determine the fate of a nationwide prohibition that is under consideration in Washington. Republican governor, governor Greg Gianforte on Wednesday signed a bill into law after Montana's legislature passed it last month. The legislation drew criticism from Chinese-owned TikTok and free speech advocates, including the American Civil Liberties Union. The Montana ban is set to go into effect on, on January 1st. Any legal challenge, though, could trigger an injunction to delay the ban's start date. The law would bar 
TikTok from operating within the treasure state and would also forbid app stores such as Google um, and um, Apple's from Google's and Apple's from um, making TikTok available to download within Montana. The TikTok, sorry, TikTok and app stores would be liable for fines of $10,000 a day for violating the law. Individual TikTok users wouldn't be punished. Okay. Um, It says here, Gianforte signed a bill that infringes on the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana by unlawfully banning TikTok. A TikTok spokeswoman said in a statement, she did not say whether the company plans to pursue legal action. TikTok, in an earlier statement, said the bill's constitutionality will be decided by the courts. Google declined to comment and Apple didn't respond to a request for comment. It is unclear how the ban would be enforced or what would happen to Montanans who uh, downloaded the app before the ban's um, January the 1st start date. There are also... There also remains unanswered questions over whether Montanans could use a workaround such as a virtual private network, like I said, a VPN, to make their devices look like they are outside of the state. When pressed for specifics, the Republican state senator who sponsored the legislation, Shelley Vance, said the onus of complying with the legislation would be on TikTok itself. Um... Yeah, it's just weird to me. I feel like there's more going on. They don't want to tell us, but I feel like they're pretending that they're arguing over TikTok, but it feels like they're arguing about something else. Um, It says here, a legal challenge over the Montana bill could give insight into whether courts would uphold federal efforts aimed at banning TikTok, which has 150 million users in the US. Um, Yeah, it feels like there's something going on, like, yeah, they keep stressing Chinese app TikTok. I mean, I I'm sure that there is some I'm sure that shady things are going, you know, even, you know, with TikTok itself. I'm very very sure of this, very sure. But outside of that, it just feels like there's shadiness generally. And Pluto in Aquarius is going to pick this up and it's funny that the bill doesn't get in go into action or whatever um doesn't um become active until january the first when pluto returns to aquarius because you know pluto is going to retrograde back into capricorn and then it's going to come back into aquarius from january um 2024 so i feel that this is we're only just this is just the tip of the iceberg there's so much more co- you're here as nothing I fear Cause I know that my TikTok will go on Missed the note I missed the note Anyway, that's Ignore me Okay, just ignore me um, so yeah, that's very interesting to me, whatever's going to happen with TikTok. Um, let's see how that plays out. But it's like I said, there's going to be many, many things. We're going to see lots of tech companies going through it. Some are just going to shoot into notoriety and success and others are just going to crash and burn and they will not rise like the Phoenix on my thighs. Oh my God, that is a poem. That's a poem. We got it. We got it. Anyway, um, Something that is closing down, though, is St. Martin's in the field. So St. Martin's in the field, I wouldn't expect some of you to know if you're not from South London or not from London or you're not from the UK. That's fine. But St. Martin's in the field is a high school and they wear brown uniform. 
<laughs> Sorry, the reason I say that is because St. Martin's in the field, as well as um, St. Saviour's and St. Olaf's um, and the high school that I went to, Notre Dame, we all wore brown uniforms. Did St. Saviour's wear brown? I don't, I can't remember if St. Saviour's and St. Olaf's wore brown, but we did. I used to call them St. Saviour's and St. Olaves. But anyway, my Notre Dame, as well as um, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, as well as um, St. Martin's in the field, we we both wore brown, deep brown uniform. And I think that that contributes to why I behave the way that I behave now, because I spent five years of my life wearing brown uniform and a yellow shirt. I was a yellow shirt, big up myself, big up all of my yellow shirts. Um, yeah. So blame the school uniform and St. Martin's in the fields. I used to, I hold them fondly in my heart because I used to call them affectionately see my tits in the fields. Um, but that's my immature wordplay is not what's important right now. What's important is the fact that St. Martin's in the Fields High School in South London near Tulse Hill, Tulse Hill put out a statement the other day saying school closure information, public statement. They didn't even bother to like change the title so it looks better. It says here, this was released on the 12th of May. Um, Following the news, following the recent news that St. Martin in the Fields High School for Girls will not be admitting a year seven cohort in September 2023, we are writing to inform you of the closure of our school. We recently announced that St. Martin's was unable to accept a new cohort of year seven students this September due to falling pupil numbers in Lambeth and neighboring boroughs. There's been a significant decline in the number of young people living and going to school in Lambeth, meaning that we, along with the other local schools, have seen our student numbers diminish in recent years. The number of pupils in Lambeth is not expected to increase for approximately eight years since funding for schools is awarded based on its pupil numbers. It's no longer viable for us. Oh, sorry, viable for St. Martin's to continue operating as a school and deliver the level of education that our young people deserve. The substantive decision has therefore been made to begin the process of closure. It is proposed that St. Martin in the field high school for girls will close to all current year seven, eight and nine students effective from 31st of August 2023. I need you to hear that again. St. Martin's in a high school or St. Martin in the Fields High School for Girls will close all, to all current year seven, year eight and year nine students effective from 31st of August 2023. Do the mathematics. They're basically saying after the summer holidays, <laughs> you ain't got to go home, but you're not coming the fuck back over here. Wow. The school will remain open until August 2024 for current year 10 and 12 students uh, to complete their qualifications. That is a madness. What happens to the year 11s? Anyway, we understand this news will be upsetting and disconcerting for members of our school community and beyond. And we would like to assure you that throughout the coming months, our priority will be providing support, guidance and as much information as possible. We have explored in great depth various avenues in order to keep St. Martin's open, um, open including the prospect of becoming a co-educational and or merging with, another, um, merging with other local schools. Unfortunately, after reviewing each of these options in detail, None were viable and nor could they um, overcome the fundamental issue of falling pupil numbers that we are facing in Lambeth. 
St. Martin in the Fields was established in 1699 and has a rich history of educating girls. There are currently 388 students on roll at St. Martin's and 55 members of staff, all of which remain our priority during this challenging time. We understand that our rich heritage alumni and keen involved, sorry, our rich heritage Alumni and keen involvement in the local community means that many other groups will also be impacted by the announcement of our closure. We are committed to offering transparency and support to all of those affected. As an academy built on love and learning, we are determined to mitigate the impact of this event on the educational journeys of our students. We will shortly begin a a reallocation process in collaboration with the local authority in which students who currently attend St. Martin in the Field High School and um, for girls will be allocated a place at another local school in order to continue their studies in the new academic year with minimal disruption. For current year seven, eight and nine students, we will work with the local authorities to use the intended offer approach to ensure that no student or family is disadvantaged. Um, yeah, well... The intended offers will be allocated based on distance to the nearest available place in a Lambeth school that is Ofsted rated as good or outstanding. Parents will have the opportunity to apply. I just think it's really, really sad. You know, it's really, really sad because this happened with, is it uh, Archbishop Tennyson's? I could be wrong. There's something about schools in South London and I can only speak to South London because maybe it's happening in like bare places that I don't know about. There's something about schools in South London closing, schools that predominantly black children attend, that have black pupils, and they're suddenly like, oh, sorry, we don't have any more money. Sorry about that. We're just going to have to close down. I know that if Penelope and Millicent were going to your school, you would not just shut it down like that. You would not just shut it down because their parents that bought out all of these areas and bought out of these homes and renovated them and whatever else and moved to these areas, their parents would not allow it. But what's funny is that their parents are moving into the area, but they don't want to send their children to schools in the area. It's gentrification is an absolute bitch. And I feel for the um, girls, the students, the pupils who are having their education disrupted, not only have they had to deal with fucking COVID and lockdown and all of them things, but now you're saying to them, oh, actually also you're not going to have a school come the summer holidays. Like what even is that? Sometimes I hate it here, you know, I really do. So sending all of the love to the students and the staff at um, St. Martin. um, I don't know. I really don't know. And I hope that the teachers stay the course. Like, please don't now, oh, I need to find a new job. And then you're leaving and they've got less teachers than before. And then everything done fuck up. Like, let's at least get the, you know, let, let's get these baby girls all the way over the line. If that, please, please. Um, so that's that. Um, talking of children and young people, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Your walking, your human cannon of sperm is expecting another child. Boris. Alexander Pfeffel Johnson, when will you rest your loins? Boris, Boris, Baza. How many times did I call you? Three times. Tie it up. Tie it up. 
or snip snip. I is it I was even using wrong anatomy. Snip snip. Snip it, snip, snip. It's enough. Because you lot are the first motherfuckers to come and talk about Africa and overpopulation. Africa overpopulation. Because the problem with overpopulation. Because the problem with overpopulation in Africa. Overpopulation in Africa, but you don't think about the way that you're populating the uterus of all of these little blondies that you see around you. You don't. And Carrie, Carrie, I don't know how you do it, girl. You need to go on SAS. You need to carry, you need to go on SAS because you you get liver. Omo, you get liver. Olaya, Olaya, you have hearts. It's what they'll say in my country. You have hearts. Letting that 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 bore lay lay on you. Oh, and I heard he doesn't smell great. Jesus Christ. Hmm. Hmm. Smelly somebody. And you're just taking it. You're just absorbing it. Just absorbing the semen and then creating life from it. Incredible scenes. Truly incredible scenes. But this is why they say that in life, there is a pot for every lid or there's a lid for every pot. Because some people are out here being like feeling down, feeling sad, like, oh, I'll never meet someone. Boris has been getting gyal. Boris is chopping pom pom left, right, and center. What do you mean that you can't get somebody? Like, <laughs> if Boris can get it, somebody can get it. Anybody can get it, please. But another child, you can't even. If I ask you right now, Boris, wake up. If I woke you up at two forty three in the in the morning and said, Boris, didi didi didi, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. How many children do you have? You'll do. <sighs> I don't think I don't quite know. How is it? How is it that you like? We all know you're a performer anyway, because that bumbling fool act that you like to do, you don't bumble and you don't fall up. You don't fuck up the bag when it's time to insert into a vag. You don't. You know your you know your way around a poussoir. I'll give you that. Gemini things. Um, yeah, stop. Just stop. Just snip. Just snip. Just stop, Boris. Stop. It's enough. What's he taught? It's enough. Uh-uh. Every day, another child. Every every other year. Every year. Or is it every other year you're dropping another child? As if you're Jay-Z releasing albums. Like, stop. Stop. God. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that, really. Um, now I'll take you to the interview with myself and John Terry Gadsden, um, who's a phenomenal writer. She writes on Black Lady Sketch Show, and I love that comedy sketch show. I love it. And um, we're discussing the writer's strike that's taking place in America at the moment. We couldn't not talk about it because sooner or later, baby, all you're going to have is me to watch because all of the series, all of the shows, all the films will dry up because the writers are like, no, you can't keep taking us for idiot. Like you're going to have to pay us properly. You're going to have to respect our demands. Again, Pluto and Aquarius themes. You see, you see, 
I promise you there's going to be way more strikes, way more protests happening over the next like 20 years. People are just going to be so fed up, so tired of the fuckery that something will eventually need to be done. So anyway, let me cut to myself and John Terry and I hope that you enjoy the convo. John Terry, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I know that you are like in the thick of it with the writer's strike. Um, And so for people who don't know, the WGA stands for the Writers Guild of America, right? That's right. Right. And you are just like doing all of the things from Black Lady Sketch Show, which I love, like... (laughs) I've been, I've talked about it on here amongst so many other works of yours. And, you know, it's been interesting to me being in London, in the UK, trying to understand what's going on. Like what is going on? Because things are heated. Oh yeah. 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 Um, well how it started was that the, there's this, so like the association of motion picture, all of the studios, network streamers, they band together and that's who we're negotiating with. Cause that's who pays you know, gives us our paychecks when we're working on shows. They didn't give us a fair deal in our contract. Um, and like so far that it wasn't fair, so far unfair that they refused to even like counter offer or even negotiate mm-hmm. on some things. So we really had no choice but to strike. Um, and what we're asking for is very reasonable too. I, that's why I'm always worried that people think, oh, the writers, they're all rich, which we're not. Um, but really <laughs> too I, I can attest. Two um, percent of the um, profits they make on our work would cover all of our demands. Just wow. Two percent. Yeah. So now it's gotten to the point like you pushed us to strike. Now SAG is authorizing a strike vote before they even go into negotiations. We have a big rally coming up at the end of the week with all the labor unions, and so it's it's going down. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm an astrology baby and, and, you know, Pluto and Aquarius, it was bound to happen. Like we need the power to come back to the people. We need the power to come back to the people who are doing the work because without the writers, the shows wouldn't slap. And I was saying it the other day that as a, um, you know, as an actor slash, you know, director and all the things that, you know, the things that I do. I understand the importance of a phenomenal script. A lot of the things that we find funny from our favorite shows or our films, if it was not down to the writers that were putting in that work, of course, everybody, you know, has their role to play. But if you don't have a good script, you don't have anything. You could do all the lighting, all the directing in the world, and it's still rubbish. Yeah, exactly. Like, not even you don't have a script at all without us. But then on top of that, you're not going to have like a, a a good script. Yeah. And those good performances, like <clears throat> that's the thing I miss the most right now while being on strike is being the collaborative nature of our work, like collaborating with each other to get you guys that good script mm. and then collaborating with the directors, like all of these different levels of collaboration that all begins with the writing. Uh, definitely. I was in a writer's room um, a couple of years ago and yo, you know, like when you feel like I can do this, I, I'm funny. Like I know, I could, I know structure. I, I was fighting for my life. I was fighting for my life. Ah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Cause suddenly you have to make what you're doing make sense with what everybody else is doing. And, and yes. also fit in with the thematic kind of um, overarching structure of the, the brand of whatever that thing is. And you're just like, but I just, I just wanted to write my thing. Like, <laughs> exactly. Or, or, like, you know, I think I'm funny. Yeah. Well, now you're in a room full of like 
funny funny like yes. <laughs> every, it's funny. equally funny if not beat your ass down funny like they yes, they exactly. will on their worst day they're funnier than you what are you saying yes, exactly <laughs> And so when I heard about what was going on, I was really trying to keep up with everything. And I see how, you know, instrumental you are to everything that's happening as well. So I want to say kudos to you because it's a lot. It is a lot to put your head above the parapet. I know like, you know, it's a collective effort with so many people, but I'm sure that in some regards, there is a little bit of I don't know, I, I should ask, is there a little bit of fear? Like, you know, what comes, you know, off the back of this with production companies and people being like, oh, that one's a troublemaker. No. Oh, yeah. No, actually, that never crossed my mind. Because <laughs> um, when people have said like, oh, everybody, like some people would be afraid to do this. And I, it, I didn't understand why. That's the first time I actually consider what you said. But it's, <laughs> I'm still not... <laughs> For me, no, it's just wanting to do everything I possibly can to get back to the job I love mm. is what's driving me. Like the fear is, I don't, I'm not even worried about that because I do recognize our value as writers, my value that even if they consider us troublemakers, they still need us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a funny troublemaker, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a funny troublemaker that can write. <laughs> yeah, because they, because because our relationships, right? It's it's almost like two boxers who are friends. It's like you're gonna get in the ring, you're gonna hit each other, and then afterwards you're gonna like yeah. go out. I think that's us with these studios and producers that we used to work with, right? Like they're 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 our collaborators too. Yeah. So I think this is all a part of the fight. Uh, but after it's over, hopefully there won't be any hard feelings. I, I hope so. And I and I believe so because we had something not necessarily similar, but we had like a massive strike in 2007, right? That la- lasted about a hundred days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so right yeah. now people aren't really sure how long this, this strike is going to be. Oh yeah. No, we have like our guesses and everything, but no, it's, it's not cause it's not up to us. Mm. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're ready to go back to the table. We're not the ones who are refusing to negotiate. Mm. Right. And so it's, it's when are they going to go back to the table and, and really be opening open and good faith to negotiating with us and speaking to us about our very reasonable demands. Yes. Because I, one of the kind of, I guess, residuals that came from that, the 2007 strike was the fact that writers were getting particular cuts off um, DVD. Was it like DVD uh, sales and things yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 And, but then yeah. streaming has really, really shaken up the game. Yeah, because I think it came out as like, oh, it's just an experiment. We don't know how. Well, I think by this point, we can say the experiment has worked very well. (laughs) It's It's working, guys. It's working. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And so now you can't just be like, oh, we don't know what's going on. We're just going. It's like, no, you know, you know, these numbers that we're not allowed to know. There's no transparency, you know. So it's like they know that it's doing very well. They know how much they're spending. They know much how they're how much they're making. And so if they were transparent about those numbers, we could devise a way for us to get a fair part of that profit. Yes. But yeah. And so, yeah, transparency is necessary. And I and I commend what, you know, you are all doing, because I do think it's important for us to use our voices and also to withhold our services until you know, we see change because if we just continued working going, oh, I'm really not happy here. Oh, well, you're still working and you're unhappy. So what's my business? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And it's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly it. Because how many of us do that, right? It's like, well, at least I'm getting a paycheck. There weren't, they weren't the ones who said to us, like, we're going to stop paying you. We said, I, yeah, I'm going to walk away from this mm-hmm. paycheck uh, because it's that important uh, for us to get what we want in this moment and for the future of our, our, our whole industry. Like, right now, it just seems so desperate. Like, I have, like, I was talking to somebody on the picket line uh, the other day where it's like, it would be different if we were on strike and we were mad about it. Like, oh man, like everybody else wants to strike, but I don't want to, right? We're so unified in the necessity of like keeping the existence of writers' rooms alive. Like it's that important. Like our entire profession feels like it depends on this moment. And, and I feel it. It's so palpable. You, we can all feel it. And we understand how integral Hollywood is to a lot of our a lot of our lives you, you yeah. know, because if the machine as it were stops then in a few months you're not gonna have anything to watch on your fave like streaming channels like you're just not unless you're gonna go and watch the reruns or you don't you won't have anything fresh and the rate that people are consuming these yeah. things yeah you, you can't not have writers like what are you doing so yeah. it's and what are you yeah. talk about what like <laughs> We talk about these like TV shows like it's part of our lives and it is. Because if we don't have anything to talk about, guess what? White people are going to start asking us about our hair again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, new hairstyle. (laughs) So like, please, save us. Save us. (laughs) So no, I, you know, I... I really, really commend all of your efforts. Now, I heard that there was something about AI. And they were like, well, you know, the writer girlies can go because AI (laughs) can do what they're doing. So, which I don't think it can, but yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely can't do it, especially not to the level that we're doing. I think that was one of the big things when I saw what the negotiation committee was, or not negotiate, like us, what we were asking for, um, and how they even refused to 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 counter our proposal about AI. Like they're like how they're like, oh, we definitely want to use it is basically what they're saying. And yeah, what it was was like, and then what they proposed, maybe they did counter this one, but what they proposed was, you know, we're not going to say we, we they don't want to be regulated on it. And every year we'll have like a a, a meeting about mm-hmm. technology. Advancements. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think that to me is scary because mm-hmm. while we might recognize that the quality isn't there and that, you know, being in writer's rooms and having seen like the magic that happens when you know, we all combine our human experiences and then to make something that can connect with people outside of that room. Like, I think we know that AI can't do that. I don't trust that the executives or the the people in power don't know that AI can't do that same yeah. thing because they've never had that experience. So and by the I, time that, yeah. But I feel like by the time that they realize it might just be too late because I think that they think that we because of the rate that a lot of um films and series and things are coming out that we'll settle for anything like they can drop the quality of it and um we'll just be fine but actually that's wild and that's untrue because yeah. i think actually apps like tiktok instagram reels they've upped the level because they've shown you that yes. there are funny people in the day to day that when they do their own thing like they're yes. funny as hell so 
you you they're not going to settle for you getting some AI, some kind of tech thing, yeah. some you know software to do that because there's nuance. There's also keeping up with what's happening, and maybe I'm underestimating what AI can do. But I, you know, I've seen some of these ads that's like, look at me, I'm AI, and I can do your essay. That essay doesn't make sense. Like behave like that essay does not make sense. <laughs> Or it doesn't add anything, and it's also not original. Because where's AI getting AI's ideas from us? That is it. Even know they're plagiarizing. (laughs) You'll just be like, wait, I know these lines. What? Yeah, Yeah, and then you're—it's just churning out some lines from. You're right. It could AI can only go with what's already known. And the beauty of writers, the beauty of um, us as creatives and and as humans really is that we can draw on so many things and the genius can come out of nowhere. The the idea can come out of nowhere. Yes. And that's the best feeling, like being in the writer's room when that happens. And I do think like even as an audience member, like like I'm like, have you been on Twitter? Audiences are smart. Mm-hmm. Like they, they they're all up in these shows like they're tearing it down when things don't make sense. And so I feel like I feel like the audience, the viewers should be upset. The fans should be upset that they're un- underestimating their intelligence. Yeah. And like they will just accept anything just to be sitting in front of a TV, you know, know, to, and just, and just taking everything in and they don't care because we saw how Game of Thrones got dragged for that final, final season. We saw that they were dragged across that Twitter timeline. They were dragged up and down. Like people weren't (laughs) impressed, you know? So that, that speaks to your point that we, we want more. Like you can't just give us anything. I, I watch people literally point out the plot holes in things yes. that I thought were intact. Yes. I, and maybe it speaks to my level of intelligence because I was just like, oh, that was so great. And they're like, actually, that didn't make sense because then this and this, and you're like, yeah, yes. yeah. Mm. Yes. I saw it too. I was just waiting for you to say. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what writers are able to, do. like we're anticipating that because we're out in the world. We're seeing people, you know, be yeah. able to do that. No, like, hey, it's got to make sense. It's got to be logical. It's got to be, and emotional. It's got to have all of these levels that I don't know that the AI can do. And it's not like, I'm not somebody that's afraid of technology. It's not that. I think there are ways to incorporate it. Um, But I don't, I think just because it can write words doesn't mean that it can replace a writer. And that's what I'm not sure that, that, that the other side is aware of. And, and it's the ethics, as you say, behind it as well. Like, how are you ethically going to use this without trying to shortchange and to oust like incredible creative people because it feels like that's where it's headed and and we've got to be honest there's gonna always be a racialized classist kind of oh. um take on this as well because who are the writers that are likely to get dropped first where what ethnicities what backgrounds are they gonna be you know so yeah, it, I can see how it's all you know how it's all gonna unfold yeah I did see I saw some quote I don't know who it was it was uh <clears throat> but they were saying about how AI could do the grunt work <clears throat> for like a show. Oh, excuse me. It's okay. <clears throat> so like, so like the grunt work, as in the work that a lower, a lower level, lower level writer would do, uh, that the AI could do the grunt work and then the showrunner could just go and do their pass on it. That lower level writer is where the people of color are, the other marginalized identities, a majority of us are, are down there. And that, so you're exactly right about that. Yeah. yeah. And we always see it because it's going to be us collectively from those, you know, w- within those margins that they come for. 
And so that's why I was like, no, you know, we, we need to make a conversation happen. So my listeners, a lot more people are aware that we can't just take this as something that's happening over there. And also when we talked about, you mentioned picket lines earlier and obviously uh, uh, producers and people, they're going to try and get creative. So if there was something that you could say to maybe UK writers about how they can support with this movement, what would you want them to know? Yeah, I think, well, one thing is um, when I think about like what the opposition is saying or people that don't understand and in that, yes, a lot of people are out of work, right? A lot of people who aren't writers are out of work by us having to strike. Um, and so one thing that you can do from anywhere is support like the Entertainment Community Fund, like writers, we've put in a, like millions of dollars into it. And that is a fund that other people that are out of work besides us can pull from, you know, in these instances, you know, to, mm. to like help out financially. So that's one thing. Another thing too is like, I don't know how it works as far over there as far as like your unions and stuff, but if they're coming from over here, like, you know, to replace us with you and, and we're telling, and you know, ahead of time, like, you're not going to get paid what you're worth. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to get a good deal for, for, uh, for replacing us. Right. And, and I don't believe that a lot of UK writers are looking to do that. Um, but it feels to me like by even asking you in this time, if they weren't asking you before, then they're devaluing you as a creative as well. Yes. Um, and so the support has meant a lot. I've seen where like, I don't know, it was like Australia, even I think the British writers like all saying like support the strike. Yeah. Right. So it's already to be known like, you know, you're in solidarity with us, which is great. Yeah. Everyone's trying to hold it down. Um, it's just that Britain is the ghetto. It's the, it is hell. You know, I don't know how often you've been over here, but it is hell. So the reason I say that is because um, they, um, writers just across the industry were paid, were woefully, woefully underpaid. So over here. So you hear a lot of about actors from Britain who move over to America, actually, because over here, you're just not getting paid. And there are conversations happening online where people like, you know, I sold a script in the UK for a thousand pounds. I moved to to the US and I sell a script itself for six figures. So it shows the disparity you see. So then suddenly when somebody's reaching out and going, hey, hey, do you want to write? They're not considering, you know, the difference. They're just like, it's just going to be way more than what I get over here. Okay, got it. Okay, so I can speak. Thank you so much for giving me that education and that because I was not aware. I'm so sorry that it's happening like that over there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing, but I'm crying inside. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let me get uh, my train of thought back. Let's see. Um, Why not? Oh, man. I had like an answer and then I started going off. Can you repeat the last thing that you said? Yeah, so that's it. So they're getting, a, they would ideally maybe get approached by people who are saying like, yeah, come over because it's the money's just way more than what we would usually get anyway, even though it's way less than what you are all prepared to accept because they're taking a piss. Yeah, okay, got it, right. And so the best thing that, like the way that we're looking at it by withholding our work is like closing up the pipeline, like drying it out, right? Mm. So we- you need, you know, the UK writers to like stand with us and not provide them content, right? Like how we talked about, like in a couple, a couple months, if this kept going, there would be no good content. We need that to happen because we need to force them back to the table. We're ready to negotiate uh, a fair deal, yeah. um, but they'll never be ready 
if they're getting content um, from elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was really it. I'm so thankful that you are all doing this because we need it. You know, I I really believe in civil disobedience. I really believe in us getting together our commonality to dissent um, against things that that just aren't serving us. Um, The, you know, the power dynamics are just extreme, like they're extremely skewed. Again, when you you mentioned transparency earlier, like people are making billions and then you're just asking like, fam, can you just take up our money a little bit? No, like (laughs) what? What difference is it going to make? It's not going to make a difference to your billions. It's literally not going to make that much of a difference to your billions. So why won't you just do it? So I, I really, really love that. This is happening. I keep seeing pictures of like South Asian writers and, you know, different like um, denominations of the writing um, industry going, hey, we're not having it. We're all here together. That's beautiful. It is. It is. Yeah. And then you get to see like just how like how diverse the, the writer community is and has to be right to produce the type of content that connects with like the world. Yes. Um. Yeah, so it can't nobody do that but us. And that is it. I don't think there's anything else to say apart from that. So thank you so much, John Terry. Like, I appreciate you. I hope that they come back to the table soon because, you know, we need the good good. We need the the shows. We need the things to be bad, but on fair terms, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This was great. Although we've come to the end of the pod I still have one straw anyway I hope you enjoyed that conversation that convo with myself and John Terry isn't she a baby girl like we proper proper laughed even though it's like not funny what's happening at all like this is major this is major for the tea like the entertainment industry but sometimes what do we say if you don't laugh you will surely cry so it is what it is baby but yeah thank you John Terry for being on the show and for speaking with me and I hope that we have many more conversations you know happy conversations good conversations of pro, you know conversations of progress and all them things there let's get to straw of the week aka suck your mum yes oh i only have one thing to say and i'm going to try and say it without getting sued yeah let's see if i can achieve that but um yeah, let's just see if that's possible for me. Hmm? Let's see. So you would have seen news recently about Philip Schofield, who presented, is it this morning, with um, Holly Willoughby, that they've fallen out and he is no longer on the show. That was interestingly announced, although he'll be presenting, from what I heard, he'll be still presenting certain bits for um, ITV. Regardless, ITV is a channel in the UK In case you're listening, you're like, what? But by now I know that you know the lingo Um, So uh, apparently he's still going to be presenting shows For them On ITV, just not this morning He's no longer on this morning with Holly There are TikTok videos about this If you really want to get into the things um, But maybe not You wouldn't be able to get into it in Montana From the January the 1st But I'm just letting you know um, well, you would VPN, but whatever. Um, anyway, 
it got announced that oh Phil Philip is no longer going to be on that show, and you know that him and Holly re- received a flogging when um, Elizabeth took the elevator down, and they had um, allegedly her body was in that box that people could go and queue for hours, maybe a day, to just look at the box and pray for her to some and to somebody that she's not going to meet, basically. Um, yeah. Anyway, they got dragged because they skipped the queue so from then they weren't kind of like the nation's faves anymore i mean i guess ant and deck are like the nation's faves whatever but they just weren't gonna they weren't seen in good uh they they fell out of favor with the people then when that happened when they skipped um the queue fine so he's not gonna be on whatever he's not gonna be on this morning anymore funny that it's announced the week that This also happens. It says here, the brother of TV presenter Philip Schofield has been jailed for 12 years for sexual... Sorry, let me stop. Trigger warning. You might want to skip this whole bit completely. I'll catch you on the flip side if you don't want to hear this. That's fine. Trigger warning. Child abuse. Essay. All of that. The brother of TV presenter Philip Schofield has been jailed for 12 years for sexually abusing a boy. Timothy Schofield was found guilty in April of 11 sexual offences involving a child between 2016 and 2019. Following the verdict, the 54-year-old was sacked from his job as a civilian worker for Avon um, Avon and Somerset Police. Philip Schofield said after the conviction, as far as I'm concerned, I no longer have a brother. At Schofield's uh, sentencing hearing at Bristol Crown Court on Friday, the victim said in a statement that he felt trapped in a loop of fear and anxiety. Passing sentence, Mrs. Justice Cutts said Schofield exploited his victim's innocence for his own sexual gratification. It was wrong on every level for you to behave as you did, she said. He felt forced to do what you wanted, trapped and unable to escape. He felt he couldn't tell anyone and did not do so for many years. You took away his ability to be the teenager he should have been, carefree, relaxed, happy. It's clear to me that you became utterly obsessed with him. She added, I have not heard a single word of remorse from you, only self-pity. Schofield was convicted of three counts of causing a child to watch sexual activity and three of engaging in sexual activity in the presence of a child. He was further convicted of three counts of causing a child to engage in sexual activity. The victim was, um, where's that? Oh, he was further convicted of three counts of causing a child to engage in sexual activity and two of sexually, um, sexual activity with a child. The victim was interviewed by police after telling a school counsellor about the abuse. He said he felt he had been blackmailed emotionally by Schofield. The victim's statement continued. Before Tim was arrested, I felt I had no freedom. I often felt panic, stress and fear. I felt like I was trapped in a loop of fear and anxiety of the abuse happening again. It was only after Tim was arrested that I felt safe. It was only after Tim was arrested that I felt free, free to be me, free to be happy, free to be relaxed. I feel more blunt. I feel more bitter. I feel numb to life. I know I should feel really happy or really sad, um, but I don't have the ability to emotionally react to what is happening. Schofield from Bath, Somerset, claimed during his trial at Exeter Crown Court that he had watched pornography with the boy, but that the boy was over the age of 16 at the time. He claimed the two of them had undertaken sexual um, acts while sitting apart, but denied performing the acts on the teen. 
In September 2021, the abuser who was arrested three months later told his famous brother about performing sex acts with the victim present. I need you to really listen to that. And I'm going to say it again. In September 2021, we are in 2023. In September 2021, the abuser who was arrested three months later told his famous brother about performing sex acts with the victim present. In a statement read during the trial, the This Morning presenter said he had invited his brother to visit him in London after receiving a call from him in an agitated and upset state. He said he and his brother had a meal together and discussed mental health treatment, but his brother had confessed to the incidents involving pornography. Mr. Schofield's statement said, I turned and said, what did you just say? He said it was last year and we were alone together. Tim said it was just this once. I told him it should never happen again. The presenter said his brother had then tried to give him more details about the incident. I said, fuck, stop. I shouted at Tim that he had to stop. I didn't want to know any of the details, but he made it sound like a one-off, Mr. Schofield said. I said, I don't want you to tell me any more. I said, you've got to stop. Just never do it again. Regardless how that happened, it must never happen again. That makes me really emotional because in light of like protecting the victim, all I'm saying is don't feel sorry for Phil, you know. Don't feel sorry for Phil. Don't feel sorry for Phil. Don't. Don't. There's so much that I want to say from the things that I've been sent by people I know who are in like in tight with him and know the ins and outs of this situation. You know what I think to myself as somebody who's who experienced um, sexual abuse as a child, like imagine if somebody like the childminder right it was her brother and I think I've mentioned this before I wonder if like when he told you did you not go like like if 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 rather let's say if he had told her I would have thought surely she'd be like get out you're never going to be around those kids again. Never, ever, ever. Like never, you're never going to be around kids again. You're never going to be in my house again. That's what I would hope, right? I would hope that if somebody knew that somebody was doing something like this to a child, that they would be like, no, you can never be around children again. What do you mean? Oh, let it be a one-off and let it be done. Choosing my words carefully going forward. Without putting the person who spoke up at further risk or revealing anything, all I'll say is like, my straw is not just for Phil's brother. Like, it's for you as well, Phil. And people like you who who are happy to stand by and just say nothing about things because did you choose to say nothing because 
If something was said, it would impact your career. And then also we can't ignore the alleged relationship that you were having with a boy that you've known or a young man at a time that, you know, things were said on things transpired that you've known from when he was 11. Something, something is not right. Like the, there's something wrong with the water. Something is not right. The list continues to grow with these people in the entertainment industry and their proximity to other people or just in this country at large. There's a weird, weird network of child abusers. And it's blowing my mind. And mark this episode down because one day, If I can flame Philip for the things that I allegedly or that he's that he's allegedly aware of and who those things were done to for you to be for you to make that statement, knowing who those things were being done to. I'm disgusted, like I'm actually disgusted and fuck anybody. I don't give a fuck who you are. Fuck anybody that knows of a child being abused. Whether the child is removed from you or, you know, not in close proximity to you or a child that is in close proximity to you, that you you do have a duty of care too because of how you're linked to those children or that child. And you just go, oh, well, as long as, as it was just the once or whatever, whatever, never let it happen again. Bitch, what? What? Fuck all of you lot, man. The the way that child abuse is being so normalized, that's why you'll never, ever get me to shut up about Prince Andrew. You'll never, ever get me to shut up about Tim Westwood. You'll never, ever get me to shut up about any of them people. I will never, ever, ever shut up because I wish that somebody was as vocal about these things as when I experienced them. Because all of you cowardly motherfuckers that just stand by, you just stand by or you see something happen. You know that somebody, and you know you know that somebody does something, you know that their family's complicit in, in kind of brushing it under the carpet, but you lot are happy to work for them. Or, oh, well, it's just this, it's just the monarchy, so I'm just going to go along. Or, oh, well, it's this and that. You've got an excuse all of the time that lets us know that you don't give a fuck about children. You really don't Because if you did Like people would go Way more hard Than they do currently The energy just isn't there There are some of you Who are still crying Over R. Kelly You fucking idiots Pricks Pricks all of you Fucking pricks Because I I feel like You fail to understand Like when these things happen It robs people Of their entire life Their entire life And then they have to Start putting it back together But life never looks the same As what they perceive It looks like for other people It just doesn't Like when people praise me Or they see me And they're like Oh Kalechi you're so funny You're so strong You speak speak out about this You speak out about that I have to It's a case of survival I have to speak Because nobody else Was speaking around me I have to speak And why aren't you speaking Is the question So, you know, fuck her, Timothy, or whatever the fuck your name is, and fuck her, Phil. Like, fuck all of you. Fuck all of you. Like, I, I, I'm not feeling sorry for anybody. And ITV and all of you lot that know certain things, all of these, whatever channel you might be, whatever broadcaster you might be, or whatever platform you might be, when you know of something that, that is very wayward that's happening, and then you don't nip that in the bud, and you don't get the people out of there when you need to get them out of there, And instead you start shifting people around like chess pieces 
you are also part of the problem. I don't care what that means for me in the long term going forward with the things that I do. I've, I've, I've given up the ability, the desire to care. I know in my heart of hearts that what I'm saying is what needs to be said. So if that means that I don't get to do certain things and I don't get to do certain projects or I can't be in certain places, fine. Fine, because I don't want to be around pedos anyway And I don't want to be around pedo protectors anyway So fuck all of you lot Disgusting behaviour all around And it will never ever be well with you Never, ever That's all I've got to say Well, that's that I guess for this week's episode Yeah Follow me wherever you know to follow me. That's Kolechnikov or at Say Your Mind Pod. Um, the wonderful people I've had on, definitely holler at them, support them, um, share your views. Always welcome. I told you what I needed to tell you about pre-ordering the book and getting your tickets to the live show at the Barbican. Don't let me repeat myself. Um, yeah, and I think that that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's that. Well, I've been Kalechi Okafor and this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, Phil and all of the people them suck your mum. That's that. I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Punani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are gonna sip it. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.